Today is author of the world famous book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and author of the brand new book, Capitalist Manifesto, How Entrepreneurs Can Save Capitalism. Robert Kiyosaki, welcome to the Rubin Report. Well, thank you, honored to be on your program. You're doing a great job, thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Well, I am uh, glad to have you on because in my last book, I did one chapter on capitalism to try to save capitalism but your whole life has been about trying to save capitalism. So before we get into capitalism itself, give me a little bit of your bio for the people that maybe have not read it because it's, it's quite extraordinary and pretty much explains exactly why you care about the things that you write about. Right, it's more than capitalism, David. I'm fighting for our freedom. And there's a very, there's a fine line, you know, be, between that and capitalism. But my background is I'm fourth generation Japanese American. And the reason I say that is during the Vietnam War, I was a U.S. Marine. And some people think, you fought for the Japanese Marine Corps? <laughs> I always thought that was funny. And, yeah. and then um, I've been accused of being a white supremacist because I support freedom, I support capitalism. I said, I looked in the mirror, I said, well, I'm still not white. <laughs> you know, it's it just... Um, it's, amazed, it's amazing how little people know. It shocks me. So anyway, uh, my background is I'm fourth generation Japanese American. I was raised in Hawaii. And I had the misfortune or good fortune to go to a rich kid's school, a rich white kid's school, in a little town called Hilo, Hawaii. So on one side of the street, I mean, exactly opposite was Hilo Union School. And Hilo Union School was for all the minorities, the Japanese, the Chinese, the Filipino, the Portuguese, and all this. And directly across the street was Riverside School for the rich kids. And I didn't just, my father was head of education, poor dad. And he didn't, he didn't gyrate, manipulate anything. I just happened to fall into the district with the rich kids' school. But that, I was nine years old. I'm going, well, how come some people are rich? And why are some people poor? And as you know, David, one of the biggest problems we have today is this gap between rich and poor. It sets up revolution. And I don't think that's a mistake. So I go to this rich kid's school and I ask the teachers, well, how do I get rich? Well, she said, you stay in school. I said, my poor dad stayed in school. He's still poor. <laughs> you know how kids are. They go, que pasa? What's happening here? Yeah. So that's how I, the story of rich dad, poor dad started. But the real test of the thing was that was that, that movie Caddyshack, you know, years ago, Chevy Chase and all those characters. I've seen it roughly 4,000 <laughs> times. But that's the classic story of rich and poor, you know. So my at 10, I take up the game of golf and I have to hitchhike to the country club, but I had to sit in the Caddyshack and my classmates are in the country club. And I keep asking myself again, you know, que pasa? How come some people are rich and some people are poor? And that kind of became my lifelong quest and uh, question on that. I did go to military school. I mean, I was a horrible student, but I got congressional nominations to the Naval Academy and U.S. Merch Marine Academy in New York. I took Merch Marine Academy. And in 1965, when I went there, <clears throat> purely military, it's one of the five federal academies of the Air Force, Army, Navy, 
Coast Guard. And, and, um, anyway, this is the book they had me read. So while my peers going to traditional snowflake U are studying uh, Keynes and Adam Smith and my economics teacher at the academy had us read Marx, Hitler, Mao, Stalin, Lenin. So at 18 years old, Dave, I'm effed up. <laughs> you know, going, holy mackerel. And that's when the kind of lights go on. I'm 18 years old, military school, I'm being yelled at, screamed at. And I realized that most of my friends were communists, but they don't know it. And not say they're bad people. That's like, can you be, can you be a Hindu? Can you be Christian? Can you be Muslim? Can you be Jewish? Economics is basically a religion. That's all it is. So the moment my 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 uh, economics teacher at the military school is teaching me this stuff, I'm going. Most school teachers are Marxists. You know, and that's kind of when the lights kept going on. So I graduated in 1969. My background is oil. So I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to oil. So when that sucker Biden cut off the Keystone XL pipeline, I said, that man's a communist because I know what he was up to. You know, I mean, I'm an oil guy. I sell for Standard Oil. My first port of call was Valdez, Alaska, the Alaska pipeline in 1969. I'm going, holy mackerel that I could see communism seeping into our country. Plus, I'm, I'm so old, Columbia University was one of the first ones that had the riots in the, in the 60s, and the riots then spread through all the colleges throughout the United States. So that when you read this book here, you'll find out that in 1930, communism came into America from the Frankfurt School, and they embedded themselves in Columbia University's Teachers College. And so that was in the 1930s, and in, as a student, as a, as a baby boomer, you know, I go to Vietnam twice, 65, 66 and 72, I fly for the U.S. Marine Corps, not the Japanese Marine Corps. <laughs> Noted, I will, I will make note of that <laughs> and I'm fighting in, the, for in the comment section. <laughs> I'm fighting for freedom, and I'm watching the news. Dave, what our press was reporting wasn't what was happening. And the only reason I knew that, because I fought in the battles they were describing on television. So this sounds like blasphemy. So when Walter Cronkite, you know, the, the grand poopah of journalism, and that tonight is a CBS Evening News, I said, you're lying to us. And that's, you know, Dave, that's when I went, we're being screwed. And I realized this book is in 1848 was coming true. It's only 50 pages. Most people have never read it. So that's all right. I, so you've given you've given me a lot of avenues to go there. So yeah. first, I love that you started by connecting capitalism to freedom, uh, because we seem to be losing both right now. So so to connect this a little bit directly to capitalism at the moment, how do you think capitalism, uh, or why do you think perhaps that capitalism didn't sell itself well enough? right now, like, like the salespeople for capitalism maybe are failing, and that seemingly is why the ideas of the book that you keep holding up, uh, Communist Manifesto for our audio listeners, uh, seems to be taking off. Well, when I wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad, which came out in 1997, it was turned down by every one of those Marxist book editors in New York. <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable. I know, you know what I'm talking about. They're all crumbling now, so yeah. you're, you're getting your 
just rewards. And I asked them, I asked the question in 1997, uh, I published a book. So what does school teach you about money? Why not? See, and, and then that's when those Marxists in New York City couldn't answer the question. They said, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you talk about the rich not paying taxes. I said, that's correct. So if, if you understand taxes, taxes came in in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank. The Fed is a central bank. Doesn't that send chills up and down your spine? So in 1913. That, it does now. It does now. It maybe, maybe didn't 10 years ago, but I was very different 10 years ago. And, and Dave, 10 years ago, if you and I were having this conversation, the little white men in the little the rubber suits would be dragging me out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, I mean, what did they teach you about money? And they go, nothing. I said, mm -hmm. you ever ask yourself why? Well, no, because money is the love of root, the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, some of that Christian stuff. I'm going, I'm not knocking Christians. I'm just saying, you know, it's a lot of religious indoctrination in money. You know, if you if you study money, that means you're going to be greedy, evil, and be a sex trafficker or something. I'm going. I mean, there's so much stuff attached to this little subject called money. Mm -hmm. So capitalism to me is just basically free market capitalism. It's freedom. You want to be a communist? Knock yourself out. And most teachers are communists. They just don't know it. They don't understand that taxes, but what Marx said about a progressive income tax is essential for the spread of communism. Mm -hmm. you know, it's right in the book. Read it. Do, do you think that they don't, it's interesting because you're saying they don't know that they're communists, but do you think they also fundamentally don't seem to understand a certain part of human psychology, the way we actually work, what actually drives us, the way we want to maintain relationships, that there are win-wins in business, things of that nature? Well, I'll tell you what, in my, I, I didn't do well in school. You know, I mean, I, I went, I, only reason I got into Naval Academy and Merch Marine Academy is I played football. <laughs> I had high SATs. My grades were terrible. I just hated school. I just mm -hmm. hated it. But I got through it. But teachers live in a different world, as you know. They have a different value system. It's not good or bad. So in my family, is the number of advanced degrees you had made you superior to those who didn't. So I used to say to my dad with a PhD, poor dad, P PhD, does that stand for poor, helpless, and desperate? <laughs> <laughs> and naturally, I got my mouth washed out with soap, if you know what I mean. And my poor, my rich dad never went to school. So he was trained as a small business guy starting at the age of 13. So he, mm -hmm. he'd seen, like I said, when I was in Vietnam, what was reported on the news didn't happen. You know, I was in those battles. I was at Quang Tree, Way. Uh, I fought in Camran, you know, outside of Camran and all this. It was fake news, exactly as Trump says. And I did write this book here with my friend Donald Trump. Might yeah, said. you've written two books with him, right? Yes, yes, great man, you know, very good man. I'll tell you a story about him. People wonder who, what he's like. There's no two Donald Trumps, you know. <laughs> There's one guy, and whoever's talking to you at that moment is the real Donald Trump. Uh-huh. And I was, he and I used to speak at these massive real estate conventions. And one day I, made, I got up on stage with him and I made the mistake of saying, 
there was a person, Leona Helmsley, they called her the Queen of Mean. Oh yeah, I remember. I'm, I'm from New York back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, yeah. all the New York Post headlines, the Daily News, the whole thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Leona gets up there and called people little people. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh yeah, so. It was massive, yeah. on stage. And I, I mentioned the word little people. Trump came up on stage and in front of maybe, I don't know how many thousands of people, 10,000, I was at Javits Center, which is a big place. He comes up there and he says, in front of everybody, he says, never use the term little people. You treat everybody with respect. That's who Donald Trump is. Now, you never guess that when he calls little Marco and <laughs> lying Hillary and all this stuff. But he treats everybody around them with respect except when he's on stage and on Twitter. <laughs> was it was it per purely both of your love of capitalism that brought you guys together? I mean, you're doing, you're speaking at these events and things, but like when you really sort of meshed and thought, okay, I can write a book with this guy? Uh, no, I mean, Trump and I are real estate guys. Real estate, you know, he's, real estate guys don't pay taxes. I think you know yeah. that. The rich don't pay taxes. There's you know. ways to lose money that kind of work out sometimes. And so when Hillary, when Hillary said to him, and he doesn't pay taxes. What was his response? I'm smart. That means smart. <laughs> I said, I agree. But remember, tax is Marx. A progressive income tax is essential for the spread of communism. That came in in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve Bank. So what else was created in 1913, which you don't teach you in school, was the IRS. So for there to be a central bank, there had to be tax. Central banks are essential to communism, command and control economy. Everybody knows that except if you went to school. You know, it's interesting because I can tell you as somebody that lived the last eight years in California, I now live in, in the free state of Florida, your, your facial reaction was just right. Um, you know, now obviously I'm not paying any income tax, and it's like, man, you know what? This state is still running and actually it's running quite efficiently and freedom is flourishing and business is flourishing and everyone's moving here and I have two businesses here. And it's like, everyone's fleeing California because they're just taking 10% at the end of the year. What they're doing with it, nobody freaking knows. That's really tragic because, you know, I, I, I'm leave, I left Hawaii too. Hawaii is more Marxist than California, unfortunately. Good people, nice weather, but they don't know they're Marxists. They really don't because they didn't they didn't teach you the difference in school. But it's a feeling. Do you know what I mean? Don't you feel yeah. different? Florida? Yes. You're you're totally right. I, I literally feel different. I, I'll tell you this. I felt when I was landing in the plane, December 17th, 2021, landing in the plane. When I landed in Florida, I felt something lift off my chest. That's how uh, oppressive I felt that it was, especially the last two years in California. Yes. I, I can't believe what's happening, Dave. So I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 1997. I, I first created the cash flow board game to teach financial statements, mm -hmm. income expense, statements of cash flow. You know, and, and but most people, they leave school, they have a high GPA, great point average, but they don't have a financial statement. Strange, isn't it? What's more important, your grade point average or your financial statement? And my, my Rich Dad always said to me, because he never went to school, because my poor dad was a PhD, you know, poor, helpless, desperate. And my rich dad said, 
I'm like 12 years old. He says, my banker's never asked me for my report card yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And now I wrote this book here, The Capitalist Manifesto, because capitalism starts with a financial statement. Think about it. How much income, how many expenses, assets or liabilities. And what most people don't realize, the US dollar is a liability against the, the uh, taxpayer. That's why 1913, the Fed was created, and so was the IRS. Was that a mistake? Probably. <laughs> I think that would be an understatement coming from you, probably was. I mean, it really is amazing that we don't teach in public schools in the United States, we basically teach no financial literacy. I don't know if you've seen this, but Ron DeSantis in Florida just signed something where they will start making sure that you have basic financial literacy. And it's like, oh, okay, we're gonna actually Teach young people something rather than gender. I'm glad you say that because I'm kind of torn now between Trump and DeSantis, you know, because Trump and I are already always for financial education and all this stuff. But uh, DeSantis is now going to start using some of our things to teach financial education in Florida. So it's changing, but we're up against the teachers unions. And uh, that's what this book manifesto starts with. I'm not against teachers. I'm against stealing my freedom. And the first chapter is the NEA, National Extortion Association, the teachers union, the most powerful, richest teachers, I mean, most powerful union in America. Are, do you think maybe they're losing some power now? I mean, after two years of COVID, it seems like a lot of people have maybe turned against them. I don't know whether it actually translates into anything, but people are kind of fed up with it. Well, I think you and I, you, you said it earlier, 10 years ago, we couldn't be saying what we're saying now. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I couldn't have written this book. But today, you know, when those communists call uh, parents who question, you know, critical race theory and sexual orientation, whatever they're doing, and they call any parent who questions academics terrorists. I mean, it's your kid. Don't you have a mm -hmm. right to say what you teach your child? And, that, and so that's why this, the manifesto book here is, how to combat communism taught in our schools by teaching capitalism in our schools. I mean, at home, at home. I teach, my rich dad taught me to be a capitalist at home, not at school. I wanna ask you, so because you talk about your rich dad, poor dad, obviously, do you think it was something beyond just the education that defined them in that regard? Like, do you think it was a personality trait or um, nature versus nurture that a certain type of person becomes more interested in relying on a system and a certain type of person is wired to say, hey, I'm gonna go get mine, beyond just the education part. Well, that's why I say PhD, poor, helpless, desperate. They need the job, they need the paycheck, they need the benefits. Whereas when I went to the US Marine Corps, it's a different education. You know, we're taught to lead, we're taught to fight, we're taught to sacrifice. You know, Nicholson says it best in A Few Good Men, Santiago's death, while tragic, save lives. And you can't mm -hmm. handle the truth. You can't handle and the truth. And that's the US. It's weird that he's now the good guy, huh? I love them. I mean, I hated it when I was in it. Those SOBs, they were yelling and screaming at me 24-7. But when we got to Vietnam, we were a fighting machine. You know, I, I flew the helicopter gunship. And my crew chiefs wow. were just as important as the pilots. You know, we couldn't function it without a team. And we killed a lot of people, unfortunately. 
but we also had a lot of atrocities against us too. And so when I realized I was in Vietnam for the second time, went there in 66 and then 72, and we were fighting for freedom, that's what we're fighting for, not capitalism. Then I come back and I land at Norton Air Force Base in California, January 10th, 1973. And I get spit on, get hit by eggs by all those hippies from the Woodstock generation. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw this book, which I read in 1965, coming true. I said, we're, going, we're becoming a communist nation. So what is the best way? I mean, my audience watching this, they like capitalism and we can sell capitalism on them all day. They don't even need it sold on them in a certain regard. But what is the best way to deprogram someone out of the communist manifesto? Because that seems to be where we're at now with a whole generation of young people. Well, that's a great question because I learned to be a capitalist playing Monopoly. (laughs) Ain't that hard, Dave. (laughs) Especially if you're the one doing the banking, it's pretty easy. I know. Just just watch the banker's hands. Exactly. Know? Look over there. Okay. Okay. It's just pretty like sweet to be the government. The banker. <laughs> but it's you know four green houses, ten thirty one tax deferred exchange. I was watching that, and then people kept asking me, "How did uh, you know? How did my wife? We, we, she was thirty seven. I was forty seven when we retired. So how'd you guys do it?" And we couldn't explain it to them because most people went to school. They learned go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, get out of debt and invest for the long term in the stock market. I do none of that. I don't have to do any of that. So anyway, we created the cash flow board game. It's the only, because Maria Montessori was one of the great entrepreneur, I mean, educational entrepreneurs. Yeah. She says, what the hand does, the mind remembers. Now think about this. Could you learn to play golf, reading a book? But that's what our schools are trying to do. So my wife and I in 1996, first created the cash flow board game to teach the financial statement. The single most boring subject in school is accounting. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's horrible. So we made it fun. We made it a game and all this, so income, expense, assets, liabilities, cash flow. Those are three main financial statements in a financial statement. Income statement, which is income expense, balance sheet, asset liability, and third is a statement of cash flow. That's what the game is called, cash flow. So I think he hasn't agreed to it, but the DeSantis is considering using our board game to teach financial education wow. because kids like to kids like to play with games. I did. Yeah. I hated lecture. I hated it. How cool! Are you, are you going to get a little? Uh, you get a little residual on that, or what? Of course. You were a capitalist. I mean, come on. <laughs> Make it what what a, what a Deng Xiaoping saying: "Get rich is glorious." I agree with him. He's a communist, but I agree with him. It's so not bad. Do you, do you happen to remember there was a game back when I was a kid? So this was on the Apple IIc before the Mac Mac or the MacBook or any of that. There was a game on Apple IIc called Lemonade Stand. And that's yeah. what it was. You were running a little lemonade stand. There were right. no graphics. It told you the weather and how much sugar maybe you should buy and how many people were out on the street. And, and I learned a lot from that, actually. Yeah, yeah. We learned by doing. And so the cash flow board game, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the only book that covered the three financial statements, income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flow. Those are the three things that count. And so when I walk into my banker today, like in 2008, when the whole thing collapsed with Lehman, and by the way, I was on CNN speaking to Wolf Blitzer saying Lehman was going down. Wow. You know, so I called that one, because I could see, you could see it coming, you know. 
And so I was on Lehman and I called it coming down and all this stuff. But it's just a matter of teaching. You know, all we have to do is teach. But the teachers unions are in the way. And my poor dad, guess what he was head of? Teachers union. And if you, if you study Marx, his words were, workers of the world unite. And my father and my rich dad, you know, this I was like 15 or 16, his workers were going out on strike in Hawaii. And rich dad called me and says, would you mind coming to manage, you know, maintain one of our desks for us at night? So I said, sure. So I went down and I helped my uh, rich dad out by me, just be a kid, managing the desk so a tourist could check in and out. And I got home and my poor dad gave me hell. He says, you're a scab. Wow. I never saw it like that. I was just helping a friend out. But the teachers union, as you know, they're as Marxist as they come. Workers of the world unite. So that's all in that's all in capitalist manifesto. They're just quotes. They're just quotes from Stalin, Marx, Mao, and all those guys. <clears throat> we were warned, but nobody paid attention. So how do what do you think the first step in reversing that is? If if you were talking to a twenty, if there's a twenty-one year old watching this show that's on the fence, maybe they just got out of school. Although I know you would say they don't have to go to school in the first place. But let's say they're twenty-one. They're trying to figure out what they're going to do, uh, where they're going to live, what kind of life they want. Uh, but they've been indoctrinated with a certain amount of that stuff. What, what's the first way we can get these people? Do you think? I, th I think the first thing to do is question the indoctrination. As Thomas Sowell, you know, from Stanford says, it's not education; it's indoctrination. Go to school. What do you learn about money? Nothing. Get a job. Who pays the highest taxes? Workers. Uh, pay your taxes. Rich don't pay taxes. Get out of debt. I'm a billion dollars in debt because in 1971, when Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, I said, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to borrow my ass off now and invest in the stock market. I don't invest in the stock market. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But having a rich dad and having financial education, understanding financial statements, understanding cash flow gave me freedom that most people will never have because they've been indoctrinated. Go to school, get a job, work hard, save money, pay taxes, get out of debt, invest in the stock market. I don't do any of those things because I don't have to. Do you think there's a unique moment for people to follow your path right now? Because so many people kind of don't trust the system right now. They see that, oh, they can just print money, money's worth less. None of this really makes sense. There are no balance sheets. So more people might be willing to do some of the non-traditional things that you've been doing for 30 years, well, way more than 30 years, actually. Well, I think you said it earlier, 10 years ago, we couldn't do this. There wasn't the Zoom, there wasn't any of this. You know, this iPhone here is the most powerful entrepreneur tool I ever saw in my whole life. I can text anybody in the world today. You know, I can go on YouTube, but you got your own podcast. It's so powerful. But if your brain isn't, a capitalist brain, you use it to watch kitty porn or whatever the people do today. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, it's also destroying our society, this iPhone. That's my concern. So that's why, you know, I like Trump and DeSantis and I'm voting for financial education because that's where capitalism begins. Capitalism gives us more freedom. And that's all I fight for, freedom. You know, they, when, when, when COVID came out, they took away our freedom of speech. Now they're going to take away our Second Amendment, the guns, disarm the police, whatever they're talking about, defund the police. It's all Marx. You know, as Mao, Mao says, 
politics comes from the barrel of a gun. It's all there. It's it's in it's in this book here. It's all. Let me read you what what Nikita Khrushchev said in 1959. Your children's children will live under communism. You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism overnight, but we will keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you will finally wake up and find out you already have communism. That's what we're finding out today, that we already are communists. We will not have to fight you. We will so weaken your economy until you fall like overripe fruit into our hands. Nikita Khrushchev, September 29th, 1959. And I don't know, Jim Records just made an announcement that the uh, Biden just signed into executive order something that CBDC, Central Bank Digital, Digital Currency, we're now 100% communists. Biden just signed it on March 6, 2022. We're officially communists now because he took control of our money. Central bank digital currency is a spy system. It's spyware. It'll control our entire lives. So I would I would check out Jim Records. He's a good friend of mine, one of the smartest guys I know. But today we, we must be cautious who our sources of information are, as you know. And Jim Records, Jim Records is on the pulse of it right now. Central bank digital currency is 100% communist. So is that where do you think all of the stuff of the last couple of years has led us, that it was all going to lead us to this central bank digital currency that we'd be tracked and monitored and spied on. They could turn us on, turn us off, decide who gets in the economy, who doesn't, who gets certain privileges, who doesn't, that that, it was all leading to this. I mean, this was conspiracy, as you keep saying, 10 years ago, we couldn't talk about this. Five years ago, we, that was pure conspiracy stuff. Right. It's, um, we we'll have to fight back. You know, I'm a U.S. Marine, not Japanese Marine. <laughs> I, I'm totally confident that you were on the Dave, right side. I can't believe how stupid some Americans are. <laughs> but, but you don't have an American name. It's Kiyosaki. But that's not American. I said, well, you know, give me a break. I, I met this young woman. She didn't know who JFK was, high school graduate. I can't believe, I mean, uh, uh, what is her education system doing? That's a, Well, I guess it's doing exactly what the teachers union wanted it to do, huh? You said it, the drone is circling your house right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're always circling my house, don't worry. <laughs> You know, uh, so so do you, what do you think the answer, I mean, beyond, okay, so financial literacy, so we get some young people to start paying attention to this stuff. We don't feed the system the way that we've been feeding the system. Um, maybe in Florida, we start, you know, doing some financial literacy stuff. But is the, has the ship sailed with the federal government at this point? I mean, we're, we're in so deep uh, and money has been printed to such an extent. And as we're talking right now, inflation's 9.1%, which that's what they're telling us, which probably means it's more. I mean, what do you do about all that if we're to have hope? I'm always trying to give my audience hope. Well, it's, it is what this big word called education is. So please check out Jim Records. His latest thing on the CBDC is exactly what I've been warning about in this. The central bank is Marxist and the control of the currency is the key. So now, now they have social credit scores and all this, you won't be able to do anything. And most Americans are so apathetic right now. You know, oh, well, so what? And that's why I always say to people, Semper Fi, let's fight back. Marines fight back. 
So that's why I'll back a candidate like the Santis or Trump, anybody who will fight. But I've met some real wimps out here. Oh, my God. I mean, they're terrible. We have to fight back. We choose our politicians wisely. Even Stalin said, it's not who votes that counts. It's who counts. It's who counts. the I mean, we've been warned about this stuff. Are you surprised that so many corporations went woke and went with this communist ideology and everything else? Because we know it is hurting their bottom line to an extent. Disney lost something like $61 billion after fighting DeSantis. Uh, We know that all of these companies, you know, they put all this product out there for, for Gay Pride Month and nobody buys any of it or for Black Pride Month and nobody buys it, but they put it out there. They have to be looking at the numbers at some point but the ideology seems to have superseded the whole purpose of getting into business. Well, that's one way of fighting back is boycott. Do you know what I mean? I, uh, I'm very careful who I buy from. And uh, money talks, as you know. But um, I, I, I feel for the retailers right now. I, was just, <clears throat> I go shopping and everything's on sale. Why? Because, in, because Biden took the Keystone XL pipeline, destroyed it, and then blames Putin for the high price of oil. And I said, I'm qualified to speak on this because as a graduate of the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy at Kings Point, New York, my major was oil. I drove tankers for Standard Oil. I understand oil. I, That's, and why? You get, wait, are you getting that good Japanese A5? You must be, you must be. Well, Dave, I hate to admit this, but I've always wanted to be a Japanese breeding bull, but I never got to be there. <laughs> so, they live a good life. <laughs> you think about it, man. All you do is, as a Japanese breeding bull, you sit there and you have sex all day. My God. That's it. That sounds like Genghis Khan to me. I want to do that. <laughs> so I invest. Ah, you're doing all right. You're doing all right. So I invest in Waigu breeding bulls and they get you get paid for the semen. And the semen then goes into the cows. I own the cows also. Then I own the offspring. That's capital. Is this all in Japan? Huh? Is this all in no, Japan? it's in Wyoming. Oh, it's in Wyoming. So you can breed using, oh, oh, of course, you can grow Wagyu, just not, not specific Japanese Wagyu, right? That has to be from Japan? I don't know the, all the specifics. <laughs> I just need it. It's called a brand. Yeah. And why, why Wagyu? Because rich guys eat Wagyu, poor people eat hamburger, yeah. okay? Or cat food. <laughs> Look. We'll be get we'll begin to do in mass cat food for everybody soon enough. I think yeah, I'm unapologetically a capitalist, but I want my freedom. Don't you touch my freedoms? You know, you want to eat hamburger, knock yourself out. You want to eat cat food, knock yourself out. This uh, this concept where no one will own anything, which seems to be one of the other things they're talking about right now. This must make your blood boil. Well, that's that guy. What's his name? Uh, Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab, yeah. I don't know who that character is, but my God, how can it? That's pure Marx. First thing that Marx said was abolition of private property. And what Klaus Schwab says is, someday you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. And today, look at the younger generation, you know, the TikTok generation coming up. They're completely clueless. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's when I talk to some of these young people, I don't know what the heck they're watching or smoking. But there's, they're, they're so. They're watching TikTok. Yeah. And TikTok, while smoking various other things. And TikTok is a Chinese invention designed to mishmash our brains. Yeah. 
literally, yeah, and literally. And so that's why I say this little iPhone here is the most powerful tool ever created. We've got to be careful with it. So I'm pumping financial education through it, but you can pump other things through it too. So we need to fight back by being selective on what we study, what we eat, who we support, who we buy from. Because money does talk, like it or not. I like it. I have no problem with it. Uh, before we started the show, I was talking about the 5Gs with my guys. Can we go through the 5Gs? Of course, I love the Take 5Gs. I know, I know, take it away. Number one is gold. Gold is God's it's money. still worth something? Gold is God's money. It was placed here with silver when earth was formed. You know, people say it's 5,000 years old. No, it's as old as the earth, gold and silver. So I own lots of gold and silver. I own a gold mine. I just took a company public last week, New York Stock Exchange, the richest gold mine in the world. It's in Utah, 140-year-old mine. We applied new technology to it, and we found the richest veins in the world. Wow. So gold is one, grub, Wagyu cattle. <laughs> so that's, grub. that's at the high level of grub. I want, you can eat hamburger or cat food, I'd rather have Wagyu. <laughs> uh, grub, ground, real estate. Real estate is debt financing. The reason I invest in real estate, as most people know this, appreciation, depreciation, amortization, all of those are tax dodges. So I, so if I make a million dollars in the in the income column, I need a bill, I need a, I need five million in debt in the liability column. So by taking one million to five million, I step up my basis to six million. I depreciate it. I pay no tax. That's why when so, and that that basically is what Hillary was angry at Trump over because he knew how to do it. Yeah, because she's a she's a thief. Right, right. She just takes other people's money for the nonprofit. Yeah. She wants to attack, but you know Trump does it legally. You know she did that Uranium One deal with her husband, uh, Bill. So they steal. You know it's it's horrible. So where was I? Ground, uh, gasoline, oil. And then the third one, guns. Fourth, fifth one is guns. So I, I'm fully armed all the time. You know, I was, I was just, I was just with Mr. Shapiro. He's armed. It's sad that we, we're, we have to be this way. But I'm also a Marine, so I carry full automatics. My rate of fire, I step up the rate of fire of my machine guns from about 700 rounds a minute to 1,000 rounds per minute. When I buy when I buy ammunition, I buy by the case, I buy by the pallet load. You're not messing around, man. No, I'm like you know Al Pacino and Scarface. That's me. <laughs> My wife says that's you, isn't it? He's up there going like this with his guns, going fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. That's me. <laughs> don't leave the uh, don't leave the fence open <laughs> at the end. <laughs> no. That's the key to the whole thing. Every time I leave my house, I make sure the gate closes behind me. Yeah, it's really sad, isn't it? It, it used to be you could trust everybody. Now it's, anyway, it's, that's why I wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's why I create the cash flow game. What the hand does, the mind remembers. And that's why I support people like DeSantis and Trump because they're capitalists. We have to support capitalists. And we're- Are, are you, do you consider yourself hopeful? I mean, obviously you're, you're concerned about what's been going on for this last 90 years, this march through the institutions and everything, but do you consider yourself hopeful that we can turn this around? 
Well, we have to do something. I mean, it seems almost impossible right now, especially when uh, my friend Jim Records announced what Biden signed into law, executive order, March 6, 2022. It authorized CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, which is surveillance. That's what every country in the world is doing it now. China's way ahead of us. So that's social credit scores and all those other things. They're going, you know, it started with the little masks, which everybody knows doesn't work. Or when I saw the doctors speaking out against COVID and they got taken down, that's our freedom. So I don't care if you're a Marxist or this or communist or a capitalist. Don't take my freedom away. And if I want to carry a gun, let me carry a gun. Don't disarm me. You know, so that's kind of my, that's why I'm a U.S. Marine. I mean, I fought for our freedom, not for capitalism. Do you think we have better defenses here in the U.S. that sort of will be the last stand where other countries, you know, Canada doesn't have the, well, they certainly don't have the Second Amendment, but, but they don't even have the defenses around speech. I mean, we still have some firewalls left that a lot of Western nations don't have. Well, I think, like I said, this tool, this little iPhone here, most powerful tool, but it's like a gun. How do you use it to defend yourself or kill somebody with it? And so that's why I'm honored to be on your program. I commend you. You have a lot of courage. And, um, you know, I'm on Patrick Beck David, and we're all speaking out. Yep. But so are they speaking out on the other side. This is what they used to, to take down Trump in the social media. He probably deserved it for all the things he said. <laughs> that's freedom of speech. You know, that's all I care about. I have to fight back. I don't know if we're going to win or lose, but I won't, I'll go down fighting. That's the difference. U.S. Marine, you know, that's the U.S. military. That's most of our police officers. So we, we better fight back. That's all I'm saying. Stand up, fight back. And it starts in when, I don't know who, who labeled them terrorists, but when the teachers actually question labeled terrorists mm -hmm. for questioning the teachers, that's what this book is about here is it starts with the NEA. Forbes called the NEA, not the National Education Association, National Extortion Association. We spend mm. more on education than any country in the world. And we get a kid who doesn't know who JFK was. Oh, my God. You know, I, I'm crazy. What are we doing? Robert, you're going to be very proud of me right now because not only am I a capitalist, but I've also started several businesses and I started a tech company called Locals.com. We've since merged with Rumble. I'm sure you're aware of Rumble. And we're going to finish up this interview with two minutes exclusively for my local subscribers because I am a true capitalist. How does that sound? That sounds fabulous. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.